for about three months, I didn't work at all. And the way that I was making money is my YouTube channel was still making money. All those videos I posted over the years, my YouTube channel is 10 years old, uh, 11 years old this year. But the, 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 the videos that were posted years ago were still uh, generating revenue where I didn't have to worry about money. I would have to worry if I didn't work for, you know, a year, maybe more, but for the foreseeable future, I knew that I was okay for several months. Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, night shift emergency physician, burnout thriver, and wellness champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Dr. Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory MD. See you there. Here. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the Fearless Freedom with Dr. G podcast. This is Dr. G, and we have another exciting episode for you this week. And this week, we have none other than Jesus Ramirez with us. And he's going to tell us all about himself and what he is up to. Take it away, Jesus. Thank you so much, Dr. G. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Jesus Ramirez. I'm most well known for running a YouTube channel called the Photoshop Training Channel with almost 2 million subscribers where I teach people how to use Photoshop. I've been a creative professional for almost 20 years. Besides the training, I also work as a finisher in the Hollywood industry. What that means is that I create... Uh, movie posters for film and TV. So you might have seen some of my work most recently on uh, HBO. I was one of the artists who got to work on the Hacks season two TV poster. And I also do a lot of speaking engagements. I have been a speaker at over 35 uh, conferences worldwide, primarily on teaching Photoshop. Fantastic. Fantastic. And what an interesting... uh item to choose or an area to focus because I remember Photoshop for as long as I remember having access to a computer. <laughs> and so yeah. and I'm I'm 48. So yeah, I'm, you I'm know, right behind you. I'm and so it's 41. Yeah. So this is something that's been around for quite a while and has had staying power. And to be an expert at it, you can do some incredible things, which you know now uh, a lot of times we tend to utilize applications that make it a lot easier, mm-hmm. like graphic um, applications. And, you know, those are fantastic. But having a skill that allows you to be able to unleash the power of something like Photoshop is pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah, most definitely. I was always a creative kid growing up. And when I was selecting a major when I got to college, I there was two things I enjoyed doing. I like computers and I like drawing. So that kind of led to the whole graphic design aspect of it. And then I that's where I got into Photoshop. You mentioned that 
nowadays there's a lot of other tools that make things easier and that's absolutely true um sometimes people come up to me and say well i have this app or this tool that does this specific thing better than photoshop and my answer is yeah there are tools that do one specific thing much much better than photoshop that is absolutely true however photoshop can do almost anything you want so when it comes to being a creative professional it is definitely the industry standard tool to do anything you want to an image. Um, but as I mentioned, they are specific tools. They'll do one specific thing very, very well. And that's about it. So that's the difference between Photoshop. Photoshop can do it all. Sometimes it may take more steps, a little more complicated than some of the newer tools. But at the end of the day, it is the industry standard tool for digital graphics. Uh, you were mentioning that you were using Photoshop for a long time. Photoshop was initially created by the Knoll brothers, I believe in 1988, and then sold to Adobe in 1989. And the mm. interface hasn't changed much. And that's one oh, of the boy. drawbacks, I would say, that you're dealing with an application that was created in the late 80s. And it's just been getting uh, it's been evolving ever since, but the interface itself is not much different. If you were to run the first version of Photoshop and compare it to, to today, obviously there will be a lot of advances, but in terms of like the general layout, it's pretty similar. You wouldn't be lost. Wow. That's interesting. <laughs> well, you know what? There's something to be said about that though, because that is indicative of staying power, which as we know with a lot of things that are in the computer age, it's staying power is, is huge. Like that's not something that is to be taken for granted or taken lightly. So yeah, definitely. And especially there. these days with the new advent of AI and all the different things that AR is doing, not just in the creative industry, but in all industries. Um, I believe that AI will definitely change the creative industry. For the good, I assume, I don't know, but where I really see AI making huge impacts in humanity are, are in the sciences and medicine and all these other places where we can really develop solutions for problems that will, I think, change humanity. And me as a designer, if a computer can generate a piece of art better than me, so be it, as long as we get those other benefits that will uh, help society as a whole. Fantastic. And then, so tell us about, so you mentioned that, you know, you were in college and you were trying to figure out what is it that you're going to focus on? You know, you like computers, you knew you liked art. And so graphic design sounded like a nice marriage of the two things. Was there ever any fear that you experienced choosing that and going down this path? Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll even take it a, a step back just to give a little bit of context. So I was the first person in my family to go to college. Oh, uh, fantastic. That I, yeah, go and graduate. Um, now there's been, I think, two of us who have graduated from college and a third one is going to go to college soon. Just got accepted. My One of my nephews just got accepted to both San Jose State and Sacramento State. So hopefully Fantastic. there'll be three and yes. more, <laughs> but I was yes. definitely the first one. And, you know, I, I grew up in, in a, with not a lot of means. Uh, I was a, Me I'm a Mexican immigrant. Um, just to give even more context. So my dad is, he was born in the U.S. My grandparents were born in the U.S. My dad is an adult, moved to Mexico, came back to the U.S. Um, when I was 10 and my dad and I actually went to the same high school, but I'm an immigrant. He's not. 
my first language is Spanish, his first language is English. So it's that that weird dynamic or like I'm an immigrant, but my grandma has lived in that house for 40 years or 50 years or whatever it's been. Um, And which is where my dad grew up. So I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area in California with not a lot of means. For a brief period of time, we moved down to Southern California, where when I was in in eighth grade and freshman year of high school, and my mom's brother said to me, hey, do you want to come out and make some money? And I said, sure, I want to go make some money. I'm 15. I have no money. Definitely. (laughs) You know, like I would like some money. So he took me date picking um, in Southern California, in the Coachella Valley. There's a lot of palm trees where you can, you know, people work picking dates. So my uncle said, come and help out and pick dates and, and, you know, you'll get whatever the hourly wage was, six bucks or whatever. And I did it for about two hours and it was a horrifying experience. I take my hat off and give all the respect in the world to people who who do that for a living. But I only lasted two hours doing that type of work. And from that moment in time, I realized that I needed to learn how to do something. I didn't know what I was going to learn to do, but I looked around and in my community, the people that seemed to be doing well knew how to do something whether it was a carpenter or like this guy knows how to fix cars, you know, you knew how to do something. So that was in in my mind that I needed to learn how to do something. Um, I was a high school soccer player. I wanted to play soccer in college and pretty much the only university that that would talk to me was uh, Cal State East Bay in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is where I went to school and I played soccer there. But when it was time to to choose a major, to be quite honest, I was like, what do I, what, what is the easiest major for me to get without struggling too much? And I was always into drawing. I was getting into computers and I thought, well, if I marry the two, we have graphic design, which at the time they called multimedia. And yeah, so I, I, I major in that and it was to answer now to answer your question, it was, it was definitely scary. And there was a lot of doubts again, without having parents that I could get their advice on like, well, what do you think about, you know, this major or how, how should I approach the college experience? It was all up to me. So, so there was, there was a lot of doubts for sure, specifically with prospects with future potential jobs and, you know, the job market, you know, I graduated college and I think it was 2007, you know, so like, you know, the economy was yeah, not so it was kind of a so well. bad time at that time. Yeah. So so there was a lot, a lot of things to be worried about, definitely. But uh, I'm very happy with the decision I made in terms of it introduced me to what is now my career. Um, to be quite honest, if I had just stopped learning at that moment, I wouldn't be where I am today. Uh, I, I, school is never out for the pro. I'm sure it's very similar in your profession. You know, you always have to keep up to date and keep yes. evolving and I think that is true for most, if not all professions that you just can't coast. And I think that's been one of the, definitely one of the secrets to my success that I, I continue to learn. Uh, at some point I started posting videos on YouTube, which is, which was incredible. It completely changed my life. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I have almost 2 million subscribers on YouTube and Congratulations. That's amazing. <laughs> thank you so much. That's I appreciate phenomenal. that. Um, yeah. And, and because of it, I got a lot of opportunities. I mean, obviously, when you start developing a following, people want to work with you. I started working with Adobe, who is the company that makes 
uh, Photoshop because of Adobe's uh, partnerships. I've gotten to travel the world. I, I mean, one of the craziest things I, I've done in my life is Adobe paid for me to go to Sydney, Australia for a nice. week to give a 30 minute presentation. Oh, that's and I was amazing. like, you only want me that's for 30 amazing. minutes? Like, I'll do an hour. I'll do two hours. I'll do a whole workshop for a week if you want to. Be yeah, yeah, I'll do a, I'll do the whole day if you're gonna take me to Sydney and pay me for it. Um, but no, they only wanted Fantastic. 30 minutes, and I was and I was I was I love it. Yeah, and I've been very very fortunate that at this point I've done, like I said, over 30 conferences worldwide. I've done conferences in in Mexico City, Panama. Um, in Europe, in Australia, uh, Malaysia, pretty much every major American city. So it, it's been, it, it, I, I couldn't couldn't be more proud of the work that I've done and also happy with with the results. And also one of the advantages of being, uh, so so I have different, so my business is it's a lot of different things I mentioned. It's the training, it's the YouTube channel, it's the uh, client work that I do for the companies that I mentioned earlier but one of the biggest blessings i think of having being a content creator on youtube and or any platform i think is that content that you create now lives on the internet for a long time and that can help you in so many different ways it can help you in getting people people now are watching videos that i did six years ago and it's not only helping them it's bringing me in more work either for clients or for speaking engagements, or they like the way I, I taught a video I did six years ago and they'll buy a current course. Or nice. um, most recently um, in October of 2021, I suffered a cervical dissection and I had a stroke. I collapsed while playing soccer. And thankfully I was very, very close to a hospital. I got medical attention so I, I I was playing soccer. I started feeling really, really dizzy. The room was spinning so fast and I didn't know what was wrong. So I grabbed my head and I and I let myself drop because I knew that I was going to collapse if I didn't, you know, protected myself. So then people came up to me at the soccer field and asked me what was wrong. I said, I don't know, but I feel really, really bad. I need to see a doctor. Thankfully, this soccer field was less than a 10 minute drive to the nearest emergency room. And I had medical attention within 30 minutes from suffering a stroke, which was incredible. It, it, it definitely helped in my recovery. Um, I'm sure you can speak a lot more to the actual science and medicine behind it. But from my understanding, the um, to this day, we don't know how I injure my neck. But the injury on my neck uh, created this dissection that, and then my neck in an attempt to heal itself, the artery in an attempt to heal itself created a clot. It became this lodge and went into my brain. So from the, um, imaging that I got done, I could see my cerebellum being affected primarily on the, on the right side, a big, huge chunk. And after I woke up the next day, the room was spinning so fast. I couldn't walk. I couldn't stand. And the first neurologist I spoke to, uh, sat next to me next to the bed and put his hand on my on my thigh and he said uh, among so many things he said you you might have to come to terms with the fact that you are going to be disabled for the rest of your life which was re crazy to hear because you were just playing I had, soccer I, just, I was just playing soccer and I had just turned 39 so it's not like you know I'm in my 80s and you know might make sense to a degree um so 
he everybody walked out of the room at some point and i remember laying in bed and and just thinking like no like no this this is i'm sorry this is not going to work for me and i know that i have a lot of um benefits that maybe other people in a similar situation don't have my relative youth my relative good health uh physical strength and how quickly i got access to doctors also the the stroke itself, it, it it probably wasn't as big as other people's. There was a lot of factors that um, I attribute to me being pretty much normal to this day. But the point is, is that when everybody left the room, I remember pulling myself up, holding myself to the side of the bed with my arms. And in my mind, I thought, I'm going to start uh, rehab right now. So I just remember wow. barely being able to move my toes and just mm -hmm. doing like little baby calf races. And that mentality of, you know, my entire life, I worked hard. I, I you know, just coming from a, a community where, you know, most people don't achieve much unless you put in a lot of effort. It, it wasn't unusual for me to put in the effort. My obsession used to be work and my obsession became getting healthier. And just, I remember uh, the reason that I started talking about this is because for about three months, I didn't work at all. And the way that I was making money is my YouTube channel was still making money. All those videos I posted over the years, my YouTube uh, channel is 10 years nice. old, uh, 11 years old this year. But okay. the 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 videos that were posted years ago were still rev uh, generating revenue where I didn't have to worry about money. I would have to worry if I didn't work for, you know, a year, maybe more. But for the foreseeable future, I knew that I was OK for several months and uh I focused on recovery. That's all I did. I mean, I, I remember my neurologist. So I got a new neurologist because the accident happened about 45 minutes away from home. So I got a neurologist that was much closer to home. So when I saw my second neurologist, um, she was an incredible neurologist and loved everything about her. But one of the things she did tell me, she said, slow down because I don't want you to hurt yourself. Because I was, I was just doing, they said, do one thing and I would do it 10 times because that's all I did. I would get up and try to walk. I was, I started walking with a walker, then a cane and then without anything, but I couldn't run. And I was trying to run, but I couldn't do it. My left side was a little affected, but I just kept pushing myself as much as I could. And it helped that I was an athlete growing up because it made me very aware of my body. So when you're playing sports, at least in my opinion, you have a certain understanding of what your body body can and can't do. And, and, and you just learn to pay attention to your body. So I felt that I was pushing hard, but I also felt that I I was in control ultimately. I never pushed enough where I felt that I was hurting myself, but it I can understand that to the outside world, maybe it, it seemed that way. And I started, I was living alone at the time. Uh, so my mom had to move in with me. I lived in a two-story place. So I couldn't go up and down the stairs without uh, assistance. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I I definitely needed somebody there for the first couple months. Um, after that, my mom just stuck around because, you know, she's a mom. So she's going to be there until, you know, right now to this day, she calls me every day, even though I'm pretty much normal now. But the point is, is that um, I, I focused really hard on getting better. I started walking. Uh, eventually, my walks turned from just go from here to the street. Okay, now go around the block once to every day I was walking six miles. And then eventually wow. I could run again. So nice. I started running again. And, 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 and you know, like it's funny because I, I would I still have videos of me working out at the gym where I'm like in a balance ball holding weights. And I was like, 
oh my God, you're, you're staying in a balance ball, holding weights, doing one legged squats. But I just had a stroke like three months ago, but I was just so obsessed with, with getting better. Um, I don't, again, you might be able to speak better to this doctor, but, um, I was told that after suffering a stroke after six months, that's more or less where you end up. You don't see much, the, the biggest improvements happen in the first six months. And then it's more gradual after that. So in my mind, I thought I have six months to try to get to be as normal as I, as I can be. And I'm happy to say that I'm back to playing soccer again. I just played soccer last night. It, every now and again, I get dizzy or, you know, like headaches will will pop up. But, you know, 95% of the time, I don't, it, it feels like it happened to somebody else. It didn't happen to me. Every now and again, I do get reminded of like, oh yeah, I had a stroke. So I, I start feeling really dizzy or something. But but besides that, it's it's pretty normal. That's incredible. I just, I mean, I, there's so many things in what you said that are, Absolutely phenomenal because it is not an easy thing to one day have everything, you know, mm -hmm. your health, mm -hmm. everything. And then the next day to be told that it is potentially taken away or gone, perhaps mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. And so, you know, it, that's that whole uh, that whole attitude that you had when everybody left the room. I think that more than anything is the thing that propelled you to wellness. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's a funny thing, the body, um, you know, as the medical community, we can only kind of go by patterns, right? Mm -hmm. So like the science will, you know, you do observations, you collect data, you, you can't really do like, a, um, you can't really do like a randomized controlled trial on a patient who, you know, to say, because oh, mm -hmm. how do we know if someone's going to have a stroke? We don't really know. We can stratify and say, well, this group of people who have these particular characteristics could potentially have a stroke, but you never know if that they will ever have one. Right. So, so given that everything that we do is retrospective based on patterns of people who've experienced the thing. And so, you know, we are very individual as human beings as well. And so you have a lot of things going into this, as you said, that actually set you up to have a good outcome. You know, you had the proximity of care that was, you know, and, and, and in mm -hmm. a timely fashion, you had probably a facility that was able to, I mean, it's not just proximity, but it's like having a facility that can actually do the procedures that you need for mm -hmm. the problem. That's true. You know, that is the other thing. And so like, you know, you had that and then you, your, your baseline, like your, your body, was in good condition. So mm -hmm. if you have a body that's in good condition, you have a situation where the, the tools that you need are available to you, then you have the best chance of success. But even people who have those things, if they don't have the mindset, there's, there is a less a chance of great success. You clearly had the mindset. Like you told yourself, on day one, you know what? They said I have six months and I'm going to make the best of these six months. I'm going to push myself to the point where, you know, it's uncomfortable because you realize as an athlete that when you do that, you have the most intense growth. You do perform better. You know, like you knew that already, like you already had that mm -hmm. mentality. And so I think that 
more than anything led to the fact that you had this amazing recovery. And it's an inspiration to people because even if you have somebody who, say, for example, doesn't have all of the elements that we just talked about, if they have a mindset and they're willing to try and they're willing to push themselves, maybe don't get back, maybe they don't get back to 100% of where they were, but they will get farther mm-hmm. than yes. if they didn't have the mindset, right? So, absolutely. You know, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like we can we can make extrapolations. We can like, you know, based on previous observation, we can say maybe this is what's going to happen for you, but honestly, like it really does come down to What's happening here? I agree. In our patients. And that was the mentality I had, Dr. G. I I never thought, I mean, I hoped to get to as close to 100% as possible. But my mentality was really like, it doesn't matter if I do nothing, this is the line. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do so that I'm as high as possible away from that line. Because I, you know, whatever that line is, whatever the quote unquote natural, you know, baseline is, I'm going to work as hard as I can to to be away from it. And that was my mentality, obviously hoping to 100% or as close to it as possible. Hey, it's Dr. G. And I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. I'm so honored to have you here with me. Did you know that I can help you to get your own podcast started? With my podcasting launch course for professionals, I walk you through everything you need to know about starting a podcast. I'm with you every step of the way from sign up to launching your show with five episodes ready to go. There's a done for you version that's also available. If you would just rather just do recordings and leave the behind the scenes work up to us, then that one is definitely for you. But either way, we've got your back here at Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Oh, if you already have a show and you need production services, we have monthly plans available for you. So check out the links in the episode show notes for more information. Let's get back to the show. And so I am curious, though, because you have um, clearly a lot of like intrinsic, like ability to be resilient, you know, mm-hmm. just from all of the things that you experienced. I mean, you you were I mean, even though your family, you know, they're stateside, you know, they were stateside mm-hmm. and, you know, your dad, you know, made the decision to go back to Mexico. You were born in Mexico. So your first language is Spanish. Now you're coming to your dad's country, your grandma's, Mm -hmm. you know, country. Mm -hmm. And like, this is not your original country. Like your original country is Mexico, right? So now you're coming Mm -hmm. to the U.S. And now you're having to learn the U.S. like culture Mm -hmm. and the language, right? Because that's not an easy thing. And it's good that you were young enough that your brain still was very, very like mm-hmm. um, pliable and easy to learn languages. But even as a child, it's not that it's not, it's easier, but it's not easy. So you still mm-hmm. had to put effort in and there still had to be some kind of fear involved because, you know, you left what you knew and now you're into unknown, even though you're surrounded by people that love you and everything like that, it's still unknown. Cause when you go to school, Sure. It's not like school in Mexico. It's 
it's school in the US, you know. So that there had to be like some fear-facing activity going on there. And it sounds like yeah. that kind of like followed you all the way through, you know, throughout. You know, it so I agree with everything you just mentioned, Dr. G. And 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 the, the way that I can say it is is this way. I feel that fear, adversity, all these things were always very constant in my life. So to a degree, I was almost used to it. Some people may may fold with that pressure, whether it was God-given natural genetics, who knows? I always went the opposite. It was just like, okay, here we go. That's the next challenge. All right, how are we going to tackle this one? You know, so... I wish I could say, oh yeah, I, I meditate. I don't know. I do this, and then and then my mind works this way. But it it just does. Like it, it, my mind has always. I, I'm I'm the kind of person that if something doesn't go their way, I look at me first. Like what is going on? To give you an example, I mentioned that I have a, a YouTube channel, and, and because of that and all the other things that I do, I need people to help me out. I just simply can't do everything myself. So I have two full time employees. If one of my employees is performing at a level that I'm not satisfied with or something that something is happening that I'm not satisfied with is never the, their fault. It's always my fault because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm the person on top. So instead of, you know, me saying to my video editor, Hey, why didn't this work out the way that it did? I will think, all right, have I ever explained to him that this is not the way things should be? Have I ever gone out of my way and made sure that I created training material so that this situation doesn't happen if it's the first time that it happens and neither him nor i were expecting it well maybe it's up to me to make it very clear that this new situation is you know can't happen again but it but i never put it on them i always put it on me so in 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 all the scary situations all the situations where i face adversity yes there were times where i felt things were unfair or out of my control but they're unfair out of my control. So why am I going to worry about them? I'm going to worry about the things that are in my control. And a lot of times there might be just one little thing. And that's what I focus on. What can I control in this situation? We were talking about my stroke in that situation. The only, I already had the stroke. So there's no going back in time and stopping that. But the only thing I can do now is recover. That's it. That's the only thing I can do. So I'm going to work on recovery. I'm I'm talking to the therapist, the physical therapist. I'm going to my, you know, classes with her. She's teaching me how to roll over because I couldn't roll. I couldn't lay on my back and roll. So she's teaching me how to do that. So that's what I'm focusing on. I'm not worried about, am I going to be able to like run again? Am I going to, why did God do this to me? You know, like I'm a good person. Why? It, like none of that, like never went through my head. It's like, this is the situation. These are the steps I can take to improve it. And that's all I focus on. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, thank you for sharing that insight because I think, you know, even though that is natural for you, it sometimes is helpful for someone who it isn't natural for to hear mm -hmm. that process and hear the, you know, the pathway mm -hmm. that, that got you to success because, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, that's, it sounds like something that has always been a part of you and your personality. And so that's an amazing attribute to have. And clearly it served you well. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you, uh, the one, the one, uh, realization I had that did something with my mind that I've never experienced before. So when I started, um, 
two things. When I started to go, uh, I used to live really close. Uh, I actually just moved in with my my girlfriend, so I live in a different city. But at the time when my stroke happened back in 2021, uh, I was living in a different city and I was walking distance to a Walmart. So one of the walks that my mom and I used to do when I couldn't walk the six miles yet is just walk over to Walmart, you know, less than a mile away, walk back to the house, you know, just to like, you know, just to get out of the house. So I was, I remember I had my walker and I realized two things. Number one is people are so nice when they see you with a walker. I had so many people opening doors for me, sir, can I get that for you? You know, like people were super nice, super nice. But the second thing that I realized is it was the first time in my life that I actually felt afraid because I realized that I, I'm I'm 6'2 and I've always been reasonably athletic. So in my mind, whether this is true or not, who knows, right? But in my mind, I felt that a situation happened. If somebody came up, if if a bad person came around, I could either defend myself or I could run away or, you know, I, the chances of something bad happening to me because somebody else initiated something were not very high. But then when I was with, walking around with a walker, I realized like, oh my God, even like a 13 year old high school kid could take me out. <laughs> and that that mental realization of I no longer have my my strength and being, you know, like a youthful person really got me worried. And it, it was like the weirdest sensation of feeling unsafe at Walmart, you know, like it, it, that was one of the things that I had to like really talk to myself about and say, well, in reality, the reason that you've been safe your entire life is not because you've been young and strong and tall It's because you don't get yourself yourself into stupid situations and you can analyze your surroundings and, and be safe that way. But it was like, OK, I'm freaked out. How do I change this mindset? Because it's definitely not helping me. You know, that that was a weird one. Oh, that's interesting. So it's like you, um, you recognize that you're vulnerable in that position. And that was a thing that, you know, made you kind of pause and have some fear. Yes. And I assume every everybody goes to that, but in a gradual process, right? Like, you know, you might be in your 30s and 40s, and you probably don't feel that. Maybe you feel that when you're in your 80s, but it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over 40 years, right? right? Exactly. So exactly. so at some point, you might have the realization of like, oh, my God, I'm in my 80s, and I, I definitely can't outrun somebody chasing me. But for me, it was overnight. So that's when it really hits you like, oh, my God, it happened overnight. But again, the real the, the I think the real lesson there is that I, yes, well, physical abilities can help you and keep you safe in certain situations at the end of the day is is your mind that really keeps you safe but not going into certain places not talking to certain people walking away from situations and and that's what i told myself like that hasn't been taken away so yes you might not be able to run but just don't go that way go this way <laughs> you know nice nice that is fantastic and then, you know, no, this has been really good. And I, I really appreciate you being so open about how, you know, this whole experience for you has been, because I think it's going to really help those who are listening. And then the other thing is, you know, so now, you know, we've heard um, your story, which we really greatly appreciate. And we've also heard that you have a lot of talent 
right? Because clearly, you know, <laughs> it's been it's been proven, and um, basically, you know, um, your industry is well aware of it, and as a result, you've had you've had great success there as well. So tell us, um, how can people get in contact with you? So if they're listening, sure. how can they reach out to you? Yeah, they can reach out to me through my website, Photoshop Training Channel. That's the website. That's the YouTube channel. That's the Instagram. But uh, I would say the contact form on the website is probably the best way to get a hold of me since the social media is not ran by me. Uh, although if a message comes through, eventually um, one of my assistants will tell me about it. But if they want to, I, I do read all the website messages. So website's the best the best way. Fantastic. That's great. That is great. Listen, this has been an amazing conversation. And I want to know, I have a question for you now, though. The question yeah, is, yeah, please. are Anything. you ready for the fill in the blanks? Like, that's our tradition on the show. Are you ready for it? Yeah, I'm ready for it. What's the question? Yeah, you ready? All right. So we have yeah. three fill in the blanks. Okay. All right. So the first one is, if I am fearless, I will. Oh, my God. So the internet cut off. What was that? I'm so oh, yes. sorry. Can you repeat so again? It's, so there are three fill in the blanks. The first one is, if I am fearless, I will. If I am fearless, I will always do what my heart tells me. Nice. Nice. The next one is to me fearless freedom means to me free uh, fearless freedom means that i do things because i believe that they're right not because other people think that they're right nice nice and then the last one is my battle cry is i'm sorry dr j I cut you off again what was yeah. the third one yeah sure it's my battle cry is my battle cry, my battle cry, my battle cry is outwork everybody else. That's the only thing I can control. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jesus, for your time and sharing and everything. It's been a, a wonderful, wonderful conversation. And I just absolutely know that uh, there's going to be a lot of fruit that's going to be born from this because people are going to be taking the pearls and taking your experience and really, you know, implementing it in their lives because you're an inspiration. So I thank you for that. Thank you so much, Dr. J. I really appreciate being here. It's a lovely conversation.